You can't disrupt a peaceful gathering. And no one's doing it. They're assaulting her! That's the sound of protesters getting violent in their successful attempt to shut down a pro-life event at the Virginia Commonwealth University. And sadly, it's not an isolated occurrence. Why is this happening in universities across the nation? Plus, we get Victoria Cobb's perspective on the Trump indictment. Welcome to Speak Up Virginia, equipping you to speak up on the life, family, and freedom issues that matter most to you. From the Family Foundation, I'm your host, Candy Cushman, with our president, Victoria Cobb. Well, welcome, everybody. Great to have you with us again this week. We're going to jump right in and talk about pretty much the only thing that got significant news coverage last week, which was that Trump became the first president in U.S. history to be fingerprinted and criminally charged. So I'm looking forward to hearing Victoria's thoughts on this. But before we get into that, I do just want to remind you, if you want to help us get the word out, uh, let other people know about Speak Up Virginia podcast, you can really do that in easy ways. Uh, one, just subscribe to the YouTube playlist so you can keep getting the video versions of the podcast. But also, it's great if you share it with friends. And then remember that we have our audio-only version. If you want to give us a good review, if you like what you're hearing, uh, the reviews really help us get that out to more people. And so that's on Apple and Spotify and things like that. So thanks for helping us share this podcast and get the word out to more people. And so with that said, let's get into this, Victoria, because I really want to hear your take on this. Well, yeah. I mean, you, you made the most important point, which is this is totally unprecedented. We have never had this happen where we've gone after a, a president or former president in this way. And the reason it's so important is because when you look around the world, there are so many places where there are not smooth transitions of power, where what ends up happening is the other guy criminalizes their opponent. Mm -hmm. And that happens before and after elections mm -hmm. and the whole nine yards. And we've always been a country that we're above that. We believe in the fair competition of ideas and candidates can compete and then we just transfer power. And so what's scary about this is it feels a lot like the opponents are bringing charges that are old charges, really. I mean, like an old issue up yeah. to kind of prevent what is, you know, his run for the next election yeah. cycle. So it is really, really alarming. Yeah, it was almost kind of humorous when I was looking at some of the, the corporate media news coverage or the more leftist coverage. Uh, NPR, for example, I happened to catch some of that while I was happening. It just seemed like they were striving so hard to make this a big deal. And so they were, they were out there. They're saying, we've got our cameras out here uh, in the hallway. Nothing's really happening right now. It's, it's kind of quiet. Trump is just in there, you know, getting the indictment. It's like, what, what are we really talking about here? And you just, as a viewer, I think you just felt like, well, what's the big deal? And you kind of wanted to, to be comforted by that there was something new, because otherwise, like you said, it feels like we're just we are trumping things up to get at a political opponent, and that is disturbing. Well, yeah, and they, we for weeks we heard that he was going to be indicted, and we were waiting for the big charge, and the big yeah. charge was 34 counts of falsifying documents that relate to hush money that he paid, this is years ago, mm -hmm. hush money that theoretically he paid to settle a situation that was a sexual immorality or an accusation of, we don't know what really happened. I still, mm -hmm. to this day, couldn't tell you what actually happened, but that's the situation. And so the reason that, they're they're basically bundling all these together and saying that that he 
did all these things in order to move forward with his candidacy in the last election. And in New York, if you, you know, there's, you know, everywhere, there's a law technically that if a candidate lies or does something to, you know, that puts forward a false candidacy in some way that you, Mm -hmm. so it's, it's just something that isn't new. And really, I hate to say it happens all the time. Al Mohler actually made the point, if we looked back at U.S. history, this is kind of disturbing, but at all the presidents that actually had extramarital affairs and covered Mm -hmm. them up. Um, So that's a little problematic. Now, I do want to say, and I think it's really important that we as believers don't, you know, everybody's on different opinions about President Trump, whether they love him, they hate him, you know, whatever. But the point is, as believers, we should say you want to be above reproach. And clearly, whatever the situation was, he probably wasn't above reproach. And so we can say there might have been something morally wrong with also at the same time saying we don't think he should be in court at this moment, that this isn't a good tra- uh, trajectory that our country is on. Yeah, I think that's well said. Well, I do want to move on to um, highlighting Lieutenant Governor Winsome Sears' awesome appearance on the Bill Maher real-time show. Um, that, that was just really great to see her in kind of a different format than when we've seen her before using humor. But she made some really strong points. Yeah, she is such a great blend of 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 funny and absolutely courageous and willing to say the important things. And she did exactly that on this show. I thought she was, I mean, honestly, I love when conservatives are not just we're making our point aggressively, but we're actually doing it in a winsome way. And it's funny that her name, but, you know, that we're doing it in a way that draws people towards our ideas. And I think she absolutely did that. And one of her best moments, of course, was when she hit the issue of parental rights. Mm -hmm. I mean, she just took that issue home and just made it so simple and so clear. So I don't know if we, let's go ahead and listen to that clip. Here's the thing. I'm a parent. I'm a parent all day. I get to decide what happens in my child's life. Not you, not the government, not anybody. I don't co-parent. I had this child. (laughs) I'm responsible for this child. Anything happens to little Johnny, you're calling me, right? right? As you should. Right. Right. So what I'm saying, hang on. So what I'm saying now is, if I don't want my child giving lap dances at school by a drag queen, I don't want it done. Right. That's happening. But do you think the state should have the right? Do you think the state should have the right to interfere? I'm talking about as a parent. Well, I am a parent. Forget the state. I'm a parent. Lap dancers. This is my child. I will make a decision about what happens with my child. I'm not sure lap (laughs) dancers. It's happening. Don't you see it? There's drag queen story. There are definitely drag queens reading to children. There are drag queens that are doing pole dances. There are drag queens that are... In school? You... you, What? Bill, you got to read more. Uh, (laughs) I guess I do. Yeah, let's just take this in two parts, kind of. What did you think of her really taking on this idea that the government has a basic right to weigh in on or interfere in parents raising their kids? Yeah, she was just so clear. This is my kid. I'm the parent all day long. It doesn't, you know, I mean, I think she just crystallized this idea that just because they walk into a school building, it's not like we turn them over to the government or that we, and I loved, you know, she said, I don't co-parent, right? Like that's been a theme we've seen on, you know, with the moms that are coming out to school boards. This is not a mutual equal situation. This is, you are educating my kid, but I'm still in charge. And I think she did a great job saying that. And and I think I think most people watching that can fully relate and agree with everything that she said. Yeah. And I, I should mention this does this discussion does get a little spicy because they were talking about some very lewd things happening in the school environment. So fair warning appearance here. But I thought it was interesting that the the point that the guy made about, well, can't the government interfere 
was coming up during this whole discussion of these horrible things that are happening in school environments. Yeah, she was very clear that there are things that are inappropriate. And it's amazing to me that the journalist, so they had a, you know, this show has several people on it. And this journalist pipes in with, do you, but do you think the government should interfere? Yeah, I, <laughs> I couldn't. I mean, to me, it was such a ridiculous question that, yeah, there are times their job is to protect kids. When when a child is in the public school, they don't just have a duty to educate, they have a duty to protect. And they've failed at that duty. And, yeah. and they and she brought that home perfectly. Well, then Bill Morrow started challenging her. As if it wasn't happening. <laughs> yeah, he's, you know, he was kind of saying, well, this is just drag queens reading. I mean, as if that wasn't bad enough, but he's kind of, well, this is drag queens reading a book in libraries or schools and um, no, she was saying it went much further than that. What did you think of how she handled that challenge? Oh, I thought it was great. I, I mean, I think it's always good to do it with humor, right? When someone is wrong on his facts or just doesn't know about some things. And there have been some instances where it's just completely inappropriate. And what's amazing is even describing kind of what would seem like the most extreme thing, like children at a drag show connected with school. So there was a field trip that actually ended up in a situation like that. And I, I sit there and think, even in that, the the guy, the journalist is going, should the government interfere? I mean, that's like saying, you know, can we be able to hand out straight pornography to Why kids during question? school? And is that yeah. is that is that a problem? Um, it's it, it always bothers me when people talk about book bans as if anything, like literally yeah. in the old school days, we'd say, can we just hand kids a Playboy magazine yeah. at their at their school library? No, nobody would be on board with that. But yet we act like these things are some kind of ridiculous censorship, or you know, that we're just protecting yeah. our kids. Well, and to her point, if you just do a quick search of recent headlines, I, I mean, you pull up things like these poor sixth graders in Michigan being taken during a school field trip um, to a strip club where they just they played on the equipment that the strip club users. There was also used. a school. I mean, there was a school in Missouri that took 30 kids to a show that was it was not intended to be a drag show. It was a celebration. It was a, uh, a diversity event. So they took these 30 kids to a diversity event and it ended in a drag show. So there are plenty of examples. These are school sponsored things. If you're bringing kids to mm -hmm. an activity. Yeah, maybe they don't literally happen on school property all the time, but Parents need to know exactly what their kid is being taught, who's in their classroom, and everything yeah. that's going to happen on a field trip. And schools ought to be smart enough to prevent these activities. Yeah. Because uh, to your point, they should interfere because this is, I'm sorry, this is part of grooming. This is part of purposely desensitizing. What is the um, what? educational activity? <laughs> Tell me what they're learning. Yeah. They're being Beyond even how horrible that's it is. What they're learning. What are they, what is the actual academic purpose of whatever these trips yeah. are? No. None. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess we got to move on from that, even though we could talk about that for a while now. But, um, you know, it's just another of these abundance of neon flashing warning signs that clearly we are headed in the wrong direction in this culture. And I want to throw out another sign here um, at the higher level part of our education system. And that's what's happening in our universities where we have just seen repeatedly these incidents of conservative students trying to exercise their free association rights, their free speech rights, to simply have a conservative speaker come in and address them on campus, and then they are promptly shouted down or e even violence happening. So it's just immediately shut down. Um, let's just start with what happened at Stanford. Yeah, so Stanford is, it's an amazing example where this is not even a speaker brought into a main class. So this is the Federalist Society 
on campus invited the speaker for an extra event outside of your academic day. You don't have to go is the point I'm trying to make. So they bring in the speaker and the speaker is a respected judge, Kyle Duncan. He serves on the Fifth Circuit Court um, of Appeals and he gets invited in to speak to the students. And I, I just tell you, it's amazing to me that we can't just not attend, right? That would be the easy thing. Just you don't agree, don't go. But, you know, or even just a basic, you know, peaceful civil protest outside the door. But no, instead, that basically these these protesters get aggressive. They start shouting horrible things at the judge, including mm -hmm. physically threatening things towards his family. Mm -hmm. And I mean, fundamentally, what they opposed is that he was, I guess, Trump appointed because, again, trigger word, a lot of people, you know, mm -hmm. just, you know, anything connected to Trump, we have to, to freak out. But you know, they claim that they're just personally offended by some of the decisions. I don't even know if they knew the decisions other than he's just appointed by President Trump. But the point is, we can't even have these speakers in extra outside of academic setting opportunities brought in by a student club. Yeah. And one of the most outrageous um, things that happened during this whole incident was they brought in a member of the faculty, an associate dean, that was purportedly going to help take control of the situation and restore the forum back to him. Instead, she she got up there and basically hijacked the podium from him. It's absurd. So it has to be noted that this was the assistant or the associate dean of diversity, equity, and inclusion, right? So this is supposed to be, I, w I would argue, if that's your office, you're supposed to be the most open-minded to all viewpoints, all forms of diversity. So basically, she gets up and starts lecturing this judge, and yeah. it's ridiculous. Let's go ahead and, and listen to those comments. So you've invited me to speak here, and I'm being heckled nonstop. And I'm just asking for the administrator to sign. If you want a marketplace idea, you have got what you wanted, take it. Like, huh. do you want an echo chamber? What's the issue? Can I help? <laughs> <laughs> I guess I have to learn from Marcus, but they're not letting me. They're not letting me. Go ahead. Yes. Can I have to write something down because I'm so uncomfortable up here? Um, and I don't say that for sympathy. I just say I'm deeply, deeply uncomfortable. Um, I'm uncomfortable because this event is tearing at the fabric of this community that I care about and I'm here to support. And I don't know, and I have to ask myself, and I'm not a cynic to ask this, is the juice worth the squeeze? Okay, first of all, did you notice that the first thing she says is, I had a little something written. Uh, this whole thing was planned. It is very clear to me that this was a moment she was waiting for. She yeah. anticipated. She wrote out her comments. And it's just absolutely absurd. And I, I just have to comment on that she actually was just basically trying to question the legitimacy of the whole event. Yeah. She's trying to basically, she kept saying, is the juice worth the squeeze? I think she said that, I don't know, three times or whatever in the course of her. Or, or even, is it worth the harm? Like you're you know, doing like, all this yeah. harm by coming here. Look at these upset students. Like, yeah. why would you want to do this to these poor people? Um, it was stunning and disappointing at a uh, hundred levels. Well, I also have to say, okay, the, the Irony is just very rich here because you have the associate dean of equity and inclusion who is up there pretty clearly 
uh, promoting exclusion. Yeah. So- yeah, it's terrible. The good news, I'll, I'll say this. The good news is we did get word that she has been put on mm-hmm. leave. So the school did handle it with like, you really weren't abiding by our free speech policy. So that was good. Yeah, I, I was glad to hear that because I had been kind of watching what's happening with this for the last several weeks. And because this, this happened in March and all this has been playing out in the news, the the uh, school actually came under a lot of fire for allowing this to happen. And so they started putting statements out there, kind of walking it back and saying, we don't agree with what happened. This should not have happened. But that really doesn't matter um, if no one, you know, has any disciplinary impact, it's just going to keep happening again. So I'm glad something was done. Yeah, they did finally kind of, I think the pressure built and they, yeah. they reacted. They did actually, in addition to putting her on leave, they put some practical teeth to it. They have actually forced some free speech training to both the students and the university administration, because half the time it's not just the kids. And clearly we saw that in this case. Um, and they kind of reaffirmed their, they made a statement reaffirming their commitment to free speech um, and, you know, so forth from the from the president. So moving in the right direction. But again, these are this is really problematic. Yeah. Like we said, this is not an isolated event. I think it was less than a week um, after we saw that happening. We had another incident at University of California, Davis, where Charlie Kirk, head of Turning Point USA, was invited to speak Um <laughs> But it was even worse this time. You had people wearing black, um, inter- you know, actually combating with police, apparently, and uh, throwing eggs, tear gas, breaking glass, trying to block people from being able to enter the event. It, w- it was just completely out of control. But the thing that really disturbed me the most was you had this repeated occurrence of really what I would call interference from administrators again. So you had an actual statement before the event put out by the chancellor. Let's just listen to that. Many of you have reached out to me and others regarding tonight's event organized by the registered student organization Turning Point USA or TPUSA at UC Davis. Thank you for sharing your distress at a student group hosting a speaker who is a well-documented proponent of misinformation and hate and who has advocated for violence against transgender individuals. As a campus that is committed to our principles of community, UC Davis stands with our transgender and non-binary Aggies in opposition to this hateful and divisive messaging. Wow. I mean, talk about an open invitation to go protest. I mean, this guy, in cloaking all of his words in this nice, we believe in free speech and all of that, basically said, and, and he made the point to make sure that, you know, he personally totally disagreed, you know, like I'm on the other side of this guy, you know, that's coming. But he but but he literally said, like, we have these, I don't you know, we have these policies that, you know, we can enter, we, we can step in if there's going to be violence or, you know, if, 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 mm-hmm. if the thing gets out of hand. It's almost like, Go ahead and make it out of hand so that we can step in and block the event. Yeah. That's how, I mean, maybe, I, I, I don't know his intention, but I'm telling you, students, how that's interpreted is, and I think that's probably why it got so out of hand. Well, when you're saying out of the gate that this person that's coming, uh, basically accusing him of, him of inciting violence against transgender people, you're he, pretty much asking for it to, you know, yeah, protesters and he didn't, to and he didn't back that up with what the statement was in that yeah. statement. He needs, he, I mean, that's... Very. I mean, those are charged words. If you say someone else is inciting violence, you you better have literally heard them actually utter words that are very, very clearly inciting violence because it is it's just it's just scary how loose everybody Mm -hmm. is with words on both sides. We need both sides to be crystal clear with what they mean when they speak so that there's no question that somebody is intending someone else or encouraging someone else 
to commit violence in any direction. And again, I want to point out we're kind of progressing here from just student or younger people protesting to actual administrators. It's coming more top down. So I see that as as a disturbing progression in this pattern. So I'm glad Stanford backed off. But I don't know that we've seen that from these other universities. So well, and I think we've talked about this. We see this acceleration of, you know, it's not just protests anymore. Now we have to be violent. And, you know, I. I have to mention what happened right here at, at VCU in our hometown. I, I, you know, we have the local Students for Life Club. Again, a student club, an activity that's not actually part of your academic required day. Mm-hmm. They bring in the national leader for their organization, Kristen Hawkins. Mm-hmm. They bring in Isabel Brown from Turning Point, And they're just going to talk about the abortion issue. And people can't hear the words. And so what do we end up having? We literally have protesters storm the event. And they're chanting in obscenities, you know, things like fascists go home. Um, this, uh, this is just unbelievable. And, and ultimately... It gets it, they they were effective in shutting down mm-hmm. the event because ultimately the pro-lifers have to be they're, they're being physically assaulted. So they mm-hmm. have to be actually taken away and and sort of unable to deliver their 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 speech. Yeah, you pretty much have the protesters being given free reign to do what they want. Shut down the event. Let's let's go quarantine the actual speakers. I, I mean, I, I don't know if I'm right on this. I think they were quarantined for like two hours or something. Well, I don't know. Yeah, it's, let's I mean, we should let's play a little clip of this. It can only yeah. be a short clip because there's a lot of obscenities. So we're just going to give you a, a flavor of what was happening in that room that day. Would you like to Google the word fascist? Excuse me, I thought VCU rules were that you can't disrupt a peaceful gathering and no one's doing anything. You're assaulting her! I mean, what has to be noted here is that there was actually a physical assault. Like, paramedics had to be brought in. This is not just even throwing eggs or, or being disrespectful or inappropriate. This is actual harm. Well, what I don't understand is how is this still happening, especially here in Virginia, when the Family Foundation helped get through a law to protect free speech on campuses. Tell us what you did on that law and why is it still happening? Yeah, I mean, this has been an issue for a while. We've seen this coming. So in 2018, we were part of passing a law that basically just tried to make it explicitly clear that these colleges have to have constitutional free speech policies, first of all, because there's actually been litigation around policies that aren't even legitimately uh, constitutional. So they have to have constitutional uh, free speech policies, and they have to publish them everywhere. We want them in training. We want them on the website. We want them part of student orientation because we want these kids to know what the rules are mm-hmm. because clearly people are struggling with what are our protected rights and how do you honor someone in just, even if you disagree, you let them have their word. So why is this getting lost in translation when it comes to the actual event? Well, this is the thing. University administrators have to be part of the solution. They, in the VCU incident, they knew that there was a counter protest. They should have had, that should have been so secured that it couldn't get to that because that's the school's job. I, I just, and I, I mean, I will say we tried to put an enforcement piece on it, which is at least these schools also have to every year report to yeah. the governor what the kind of compliance has been with this. What are the instances and what's the compliance? So I, I kind of can't wait to see what VCU puts yeah. in this year's report because they didn't do a good job here. So a big part of the problem is we actually have administrators or people lower down either prompting uh, it or they don't really believe in the constitution no i think we've just gotten to a place where that truth 
that 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 ideas that counter left-wing ideology have to be stopped because they might be effective. And yeah. that's just a stunning that's wow. just not where Absolutely. we want to be as a country that has I mean our, our I mean if, if you can think of one value associated with America, it's freedom. And the fact that we're now not letting people freely speak in appropriate forums is stunning. Yeah. Well, one thing this whole incident made me think of was something I had read recently that it just really captured my attention. And it was about um, something called the long march through the institutions. And this whole concept was developed in large part by a, an Italian Marxist um, during the 1800s. His name was Antonio Gramsci. Ho hopefully I'm pronouncing his last name right, Gramsci. Um, I'm just going to read a quote that, that he wrote. Socialism is precisely the religion that must overwhelm Christianity. In the new order, socialism will triumph first by capturing the culture via infiltration of schools, universities, churches, and the media by transforming the consciousness of society. And, you know, and so philosophers have called this the long march through institutions because you don't need the military at that point. All you have to do is subvert these institutions that hold people together, the fabric of society. And, and Victoria, I feel like we're watching this in real time right now. Yeah, I honestly think a lot of people thought the way we'll lose freedoms in America, because the way we've seen it in other countries, I think people honestly thought it's going to be that the socialism creeps in with universal health care and universal education requirements and that the government literally starts militarizing what they want. But the reality is that this... What we're seeing now, which is what you're talking about, is a far scarier and more subtle way to bring in everything that is the opposite of what we believe and what has made America so great. I mean, the, the, the article references, you know, that the anchors of America have been family and Christianity and that when you undo those two things, then you can make it anything you want it to be. And that is really what we're seeing. And so um, I know this is a little bit more at the philosophical level, but the bottom line is culture matters and the fundamental tenets of culture are the nuclear family and faith. Mm -hmm. And those things are absolutely being eroded and, and we're seeing the consequences. And that's why I think it's important what we're doing here at the Family Foundation to equip people to speak out in their local communities. Our churches, our schools are worth protecting. And so, you know, we need to be speaking up and not just remaining silent and, and just kind of allow that to happen with, without any redemptive um, counter opinion or effort to uh, just bring in a different viewpoint or bring um, a, a godly perspective into it. So that's what we're trying to equip people to do. Um, but let me just go ahead and close us out today. Thank you for joining us. If you want to learn more about a lot of the things that we talked about, just check us out at familyfoundation.org. And remember, we are stronger when we speak together. <laughs>